Welcome to Mo Chat, the podcast, a podcast about women stepping out of their comfort zone to live life on their terms. What if you truly believe you have the ability to create the life you want? What if you decide to live life out of the box? And what if you decide to ignore the naysayers and take bold steps to build your vision? Now, what would that vision look like? Every episode, we chat with women on the journey of stepping out of their comfort zone and living life on their terms. Now, I'm your host, Mo Jones. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mo Chats. I am so excited for this episode. We have a wonderful guest joining us today, and this guest is Jungly Masters. Jung is an architect, and she earned her Bachelor of Architecture from Syracuse University School of Architecture in 1995. She worked at several New York City architecture firms as a project manager and has designed for numerous clients, including Lawyers Committee for Human Rights, Christian Dior and FedEx, and she has done work as well for private building owners and high-end residential clients. Jung obtained her professional license and is currently a registered architect in New York and New Jersey. And what's even more exciting is in 2008, she stepped out of her comfort zone and founded JLM Design and has completed numerous residential and commercial projects with a focus mainly in northern New Jersey. Jung, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Maureen. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me onto your show. And I can't wait. Jung, why don't you tell us a little bit about what architecture is for some listeners and what it involves? Wow, I will try to explain. It encompasses a lot of different aspects of uh, construction and design. But in my work, I am interfacing with the client to identify the scope of work that they are looking to achieve and then work with them to find solutions. So in a way, it's problem solving and figuring out best uses of space, but also beyond design, which is a big element because clearly you want the people who experience the spaces to feel a certain way and have it function well. But beyond that, there are lots of codes health and safety issues, aspects that need to be addressed. And and then beyond working with the client in order to achieve their goals, we interact with the construction professionals to make sure that it gets built to specification. So there's a lot involved as it, it straddles the design world and the construction world. And I find both really fascinating and challenging. And I love being involved in all aspects of the design. For the work that I do currently, it's a little bit different than the work that I did when I was working in Manhattan in that, as you can imagine, commercial work, healthcare work, retail work is different than residential work. Right now, the work that I do is personal 
because it's in somebody's home and I need to be cognizant of not only their budgets, but also how they envision their spaces and their living environment that works for their family. So architecture is, like I said, it encompasses design and construction aspects and being involved in all of those parts of the process. And the licensure, first the degree in architecture is the first step, of course. And then getting internship hours, having fulfilled experience under a licensed architect, and then sitting for exam. ARE, which is our architectural registration exam, is no joke. It puts the bar. Sorry, lawyers. <laughs> I've, I've heard about um, those exams and I, I've heard they're pretty intense. brutal. And there's, is, there's a series of them, right? Yes. To be a nine-part exam. So it's seven different exams that range from an hour and a half. I think it might be three hours to five hours. So it sounds like it's definitely an intense process to get there. Now, did you know that this was something you always wanted to do? Strangely, yes. I'm of immigrants. I'm actually, I'm an immigrant myself. My family came from South Korea when I was five years old. And my parents, having come from a humble background, did not have the opportunity to have education and did not fill their even their high school degrees. And so they definitely pushed us to be in school and earning good grades. But like I said, they didn't have formal education, much formal education. And when they arrived in the United States, as many immigrants did not speak the language, but somehow was able to operate a successful small business. And I learned from them how to work hard and just persevere. So where this notion to be an architect came from, I'm not quite sure. I know that I really enjoyed looking through the Better Homes and Gardens magazine that my parents had in the house. But I guess my first memory is sixth grade, there was somebody who came in and asked the class individually, one by one, each student, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was the first one and I never used to raise my hand in class. I was a shy kid. And I raised my hand and I said, my name is Jung and I want to be an architect. And where did that even come from? I'm not even sure. So sixth grade is when it was announced. And somehow I followed the dream in high school. Strangely enough, there was a class for architecture. And so I took that and decided I was going to apply to schools for an architecture degree and didn't know anything about it. You see how your life path started to evolve. So you had your parents hard work as model for you and somehow connected that with your love of looking at Better Home and Gardens magazines and morph that into architecture and field that requires a lot of hard work. Not that other fields don't, but it does require certain tenacity to complete it and come to fruition. And you allowed that to carry you through pursuing that career. I think it's determination. So whatever it is that you take on as your goal, I had this foundational and my parents as examples for just setting your mind and doing it. And they work really hard. They work long hours with a sacrifice, but that's what I learned from seeing their hard work is the payoff. The results that come with it. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I can definitely respect the immigrant experience being one myself and coming from a home of immigrant parents. I totally can understand and relate to that experience where shying away from hard work is not something that you're taught. You're taught to keep persevering and to keep working as, as hard as you can to achieve your goal. Now, as you 
continue to pursue this journey. I would imagine there were certain challenges you might have faced as well as perhaps some fears and doubt. As you are entering this field of architecture, what would you say was some of the doubt or fear that you might have experienced? Or Um, did you experience any of that? Oh, I think it's very human to have insecurities and doubts. There's a great unknown. Like I said, I didn't even know the first thing about architecture, but I learned as I was a student at Syracuse. This is a negative reflection necessarily on my dad, but it's just, he's a product of his generation and the culture. But the first thing that I persevered was that he was not fully supportive of me being an architect because it's a man's field. Mm. So he would say, you should be in this and that. And I was like, no, I can't think of anything else that I want to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. And with the support of my mom, I got my degree. Once I entered architecture, and again, I just, I don't know, at times are so different now, but, and I hate to say that because it makes me sound so old fashioned, <laughs> but I Welcome think society has evolved. <laughs> I'm saying society has evolved so much just in the past several years. But within our generation, I think we saw just we straddled the, the traditional thinking of gender roles. And just even though women's lib started in the 70s, and we should be products of that, there's a very thing away of these institutional ideals. So when I got into architecture, I didn't even recognize what was sexism. Eventually it became clear, oh, they're assigning me certain things because I'm a woman. They are putting me in certain positions because I'm a woman. And also just obstacles within companies and they're too specific to get into, but just, I think it's very human to have challenges I don't see anybody who lives this privileged life of just coasting through. I think most of us have faced obstacles and have been in positions where we had to make a conscious effort to rise above or plow through. So yeah, definitely there were challenges in the field of architecture and my professional experience to get past. And now what would you say those challenges really taught you? And particularly, as you mentioned, our generation, we were straddling the fence, so to speak, between opportunity for women and women changing their roles in work and in society and just in life overall. And that significantly has changed in the past few years. What lessons did you learn from those challenges as a woman in a male-dominated field? It allowed you to keep going. So you had to trust within yourself. You had to believe that you were worthy and deserving of being there. Yeah. Even as Um, a woman. Yeah, absolutely. Beyond the office environment, I think the, the hardest part was for me to trust that I had the knowledge to express my position and expertise on the field. Construction is a male-dominated field. And I don't know that I was always accepted as a peer, but putting it lightly. (laughs) (laughs) So that was a challenge for me, was to accept that I knew enough and had earned my place on the job site and should be listened to and that my designs should be adhered to. That This is definitely more early on. I haven't experienced um, much of that anymore because it's, again, 
I think everybody is evolving, right? It's not just us as women, but men in our society of all ages are coming to become more aware of the old norms are no longer valid. So it's been a good place for me, meaning that I think that our generation has um, seen so much and experienced some of the uglier sides less pretty sides, and then also are seeing the benefits of an evolving society, which is really fantastic to be a part of. I think that's definitely something that we're able to see and we're able to live our lives in a way that allows us to benefit from that. So that's a really good point that you make there. Now, you've gone to architecture school, you've taken your tests, you've worked for all these amazing organizations, and I'm going to plug in some parts here and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you got married, had your kids, and you took a break from working for other people, so to speak. Yes. And then you decide, I'm not going to skip over this because I must say, Jung has also been the uber volunteer extraordinaire in her community. So she, in, in before her next chapter, she committed a lot to her community and was integral part of improving her kids' school community, just her own community in general. And so that's a really important part of the conversation as well. And that also includes stepping out of your comfort zone, being able to be part of her children's PTA and taking a step and a lead in her community. But you decided to step out on your own as an architect. Yes, actually, you touched on a lot there. Yes. So my husband and I were relatively young when we bought our house and had our kids. I made the conscious decision to stay home with them full time. I think this is a struggle that a lot of people have, which is that my salary uh, did not warrant having most of it, if not like the majority of all of it go towards childcare. So we decided to tighten our belts and live on one salary, which I know that is a privilege to have as a choice. So that's what we did. So I took a hiatus from architecture and put all of my focus and that same determination and kind of creativity and put it towards motherhood, which resulted in a lot of crazy and <laughs> sculptural birthday cakes, <laughs> a lot of knitted works that I'm just like, what? I made a hooded sweater for my son. <laughs> but it was because I needed to channel all that energy and all that creativity somewhere. And it wasn't going to architecture, but I needed to go somewhere. When my kids started school, actually, I just want to backtrack. I got my, I sat for the exams when my second son was in preschool. In fact, I enrolled him in preschool so that I could study. That was very hard. That mommy brain is real. Yes. And that was probably one of the hardest things I did was to still be a full-time mom, study, um, which I hadn't done since college, and sit for these exams, these hours-long exams, So that I feel was a real moment of pride for me when I got my licensure. So then um, I wasn't, yeah, thank you. Definitely something to be proud of. So I decided to get my licensure so that I could become more marketable when I, at some point, re-entered the workforce. But in the meantime, my kids were um, in school. And again, Jung needs to channel some of her energy 
someplace. <laughs> and I asked to join the PTA. And yeah, it would actually, I think women and moms don't give themselves enough credit for PTA it is for them. Meaning there is a committee. You have to know how to work with people. There are tasks at hand. You have to be organized. There is a goal, whether it's fundraising or getting word and information out to people. So you have to be effective. And the big challenge for me was to stand in front of large groups, an auditorium full of people and give speeches. I'm not an orator in any <laughs> stretch of the imagination. And I have stage fright. So that was a huge accomplishment in a way, looking back. Sure, I thank goodness there weren't cell phone recordings because to have to watch it back, I think would make me crawl into a hole and never come out. I was but, witness to some um, of the speeches and I think you did a pretty great job. <laughs> Uh, thank you. I appreciate your kind words. But in the moment, it's just real. Like you're standing in front of a hundred people and having to give a speech and there is a major moment of fright. So I, in my head, I stuttered through the whole thing and looked awkward and probably didn't know what to do with my hands. But, but yeah, those are all things that a person can take away from their volunteer experience and apply it in a business setting. These are all marketable traits that women don't give themselves credit for. I so, would agree with you a thousand percent yeah. on that one. Yeah. So I think it was a stepping stone for me. I don't know that I would have had, it was like a building up of confidence in a way. And then again, putting trust in yourself that you know what you're talking about, that you are the expert in, and acknowledging that you have the information to give. And so even though it's completely unrelated to architecture, even though it's completely unrelated to what you think is unrelated to other aspects in your life, it is absolutely a transferable experience. And I think that was very helpful to me to step out of my comfort zone and then to build a business and be able to walk into a room and speak with people, having confidence that I have the knowledge they're looking for. Absolutely. I want to touch upon that trust yourself piece that you mentioned, because I think so many times we don't either give ourselves credit or we don't trust ourselves enough to think that this is possible and that we can contribute to this work. And whether that is PTA work or taking different steps or avenues towards a career, we often want to limit ourselves and not trust that we are capable of doing that work. And I think you trust trusted yourself in the PTA work and then particularly putting yourself out on stage to speak in front of a large audience, which is something that most people, the greatest fear that most people have is public speaking. That's number one for so many people, but yet you trusted enough, you're trusted yourself enough to do that. And then you allowed yourself to learn from those skills, which then led you to the next chapter, which why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what that next chapter entailed? Decided to get back into architecture, but on my own terms. I knew that Commuting into Manhattan after 9-11 with our kids wasn't a, the best choice for our family. I don't want to say that I had negative experiences working for companies. I had great experiences, actually. I met some amazing people. And earlier in my career, I made a conscious choice to work at smaller offices so that I could get as much experience as possible. 
I found that, and I don't know how I knew this, I didn't want to work for such a large corporation where I couldn't be involved in all aspects of the project. So I chose to work for smaller offices where I would be involved from start to finish. And again, I feel everybody's path there. You go through different phases in your life and you're meant to learn from each and you take away what the pros and cons. There are lessons to be learned in the negative experiences too. So each of the phases led me to realize, hey, I can do this. I can start small. I'm in charge. And so I can determine the scope and scale and the number of projects I take on. And we're just going to give it a shot. So I had a friend who was looking to renovate her kitchen. And so it was, there was great comfort in that, in that we had already a relationship. And so working with my friends was a very fluid and easy process. And I was able to deliver a design that they absolutely loved. And so it started from there. I decided to build on that and then word of mouth. And then years later, here I am. I've been working in our area with wonderful people. Who, and I feel like the work that I'm doing, it's beyond architecture in that I am helping to improve people's homes. This is for most people, their house is their primary and their biggest investment. So when they choose to put a whole lot of money into making it better. I feel privileged that I've been asked to be part of that process. So I've had the great privilege to be included in something that will make them happy and also in the process, um, increase the value of their home and their investment. So you definitely stepped out of your comfort zone to make it a reality for you to start your own business. And that's something I think so many women or men and women often want to do, but for whatever reason, whether it's fear or doubt or not knowing how to go about it or thinking that it might not succeed keeps them from taking on that step. But you decided to go ahead and take that plunge and start your own business. It gave you an opportunity to do your own thing, build your brand your way, while also allowing you to be home and be close and allow you to have the freedom of time to be around your kids. And so I think that freedom of doing your own thing is something often a lot of people are looking for. What would you say would be the biggest freedom you have accomplished in doing that? I totally agree. You're absolutely right that um, starting my own business and starting small while still being a mom. On the one hand, I have control over the hours. I worked when the kids napped or were at school and or I would have meetings with clients after the kids went to bed. So I'm not saying that it was easy. There are definitely reiterate that it's not always. Yes. There's a lot of hustle and grinding behind the scenes that people don't often always see. Exactly. But like you said, it worked to my advantage. It's to the advantage of our family in that I was able to be available to the kids when they needed me. And then I was able to fulfill my desire to get back into architecture. And I was able to determine how much time I could devote to that and really set limits. I knew I didn't want to go back to work full time right away. 
I think that's a tough transition. And so many women and families make it work. And I give them lots of props for all the moms and women and men who get right back into the swing of things. Like that is amazing because for me, I feel like I needed that transition, the overlap in a way of what I had been doing for my family and then easing. I needed that easing back into work. So yes, on the one hand, it was coming out of my comfort zone in that here is a new challenge of balancing work and life, but so many people do it all the time. And this and starting my own business in a way on the one hand is challenging and scary and crazy at the same time. But on the other side of that coin is that I had ultimate flexibility on my time and how I spent it. Swing back to your question. Some of it is trust in yourself and some of it is just taking a leap of faith and some of it is doing it in increments that feel good to you. So you have to understand yourself a little bit to know, okay, that's too much. And that's okay because nobody's on a set timeline. There might be extenuating circumstances that make you want to jump into something. But for the most part, if for instance, I had been working at an office full-time and I decided to go off on my own, I probably would have done that slowly because that's just me. But there are people who are like super bold and say, I quit and I'm moving on and I'm going to start my own thing. And Here we go. But I think it's really important to emphasize that those baby steps, when you want to venture out or take that next step or make that new move or start your own business, it does not always have to be on a grand scale. You can take the steps that work for you. And like you said, there are some people that close that door and they say, that's it. I'm starting my business. They go cold turkey and they're all at it. And I think that's great too. And then the other piece is knowing yourself enough to know what's going to work for you. And everybody's journey and path is different. And taking those baby steps are just as important to leading you to the work that you want to do. And you learn a lot about yourself and about your own journey. Yes. I agree completely. The other part of it too is that I think most people and myself included go through a mental path much earlier than the actual moment where you rip off the bandaid, right? Think about that moment for a long time. So it could be that I definitely had been ruminating and planning. I love a good three and five year plan. I like to think ahead, oh, what's my life what do I want my life to be like in three years or five years or 10 years? And I, of course, it's going to change at any point. But just to ask yourself that question and start to think about it sets you on that path. So for me, I always, I like to start the thought process. I don't have the recollection as to like when I decided to go off on my own, but I can tell you that it was definitely thought through that I had been wanting to re-engage architecture and needed to find a way that I could get back into design, back into the creativity and back to my profession. I had put a lot of work and effort into getting obtaining my architecture degree and my license. So I wanted to put it to use. And so that was the goal and it was a process. And, and I think that we have to allow ourselves the space and time to know that sometimes there's going to be a little break and then you pick it back up again. And sometimes there might be another break. 
and you pick it back up again. That's so funny that you say that. Two things I want to mention. The mindset piece where a lot of times everything starts with a thought, right? Where we have that initial thought and we start to think, maybe I can do it this way. Maybe I can do that. And so I think it's important for everyone to remember that that thought that you get is powerful. And that thought is like the seed that lays a foundation. And that thought, little by little, builds onto something more. And then you add the water and the sunshine and the the digging and the planting to figure out until it comes into that full bloom project that you've wanted to make it happen. So that's really important to to keep in mind. And then the other piece I was going to talk about, you mentioned, and here goes showing, talk about showing age, the thought has now completely escaped me because you were talking, (laughs) you mentioned something, oh, progress, the progress, that's it. So this is as real as it's going to get. Sometimes I forget the things I want to say. (laughs) Um, Sometimes I forget all the time. I'm like a big mid-sentence. Tell me about it. There was a point to this. Yes, I was right there. I had it on the tip of my tongue. (laughs) But that's why I always take notes. But progress, it's so funny. Just yesterday, I wrote a piece about progress. As I was talking to a friend of mine who's now in the initial stages of building her business and she was feeling a little bit stuck and she felt that being stuck meant she wasn't progressing towards her goal. And I took a step back and I spoke to her about it. And I mentioned that a lot of times we think as we're on that journey of doing that thing that calls us or the project that you take on, sometimes we'll take those baby steps and we take those baby steps and those baby steps lead towards progress. And you'll get to a point that you just feel like, oh, I am stuck. I'm not going anywhere, no clarity, no direction. And at first I used to feel that I used to be so hard on myself for getting stuck. I felt like I should know where I'm going. I should know the next step, but I've come to embrace getting stuck now where it's forced me sometimes to take a step back where maybe I need to put it away for a night. Maybe I need to put it away for a couple of days. And you allow yourself to take a little bit of a deep breath. You allow yourself to really start to think on another way and just let it be and and trust yourself and trust that the clarity and the vision and the direction that you need is going to be revealed for you. And so I think that's really important that we remind ourselves, I like that phrase, progress, not perfection, and understanding what that progress entails. And progress entails being stuck and embracing the stuckness, as I call it. Wouldn't you say? I agree. Absolutely. Wouldn't it be wonderful if life just had a path and you were on it and it was just like a Disney World ride where you just (laughs) keep your arms inside the moving vehicle and you just enjoy (laughs) the singing. Um, And it's at a steady pace and you're just like, yeah, this feels good. But um, that rarely happens on a person's journey. And I think you're absolutely right. Acknowledging that sometimes part of the progress is a hiatus. Part of the progress is a step back. Part of the progress might be a shift to the side because the journey is the journey. You can't question why you get stuck sometimes. You just, you have to embrace it, accept it, 
live in it, maybe put it down. It's when you start a book and you're just like, you fall asleep and you're just like, I'm just going to put this down for a minute. And then sometimes you pick it up the next day and sometimes you don't pick it up for a month and that's okay. And that's (laughs) okay. And that's okay. I will say that actually is a perfect reflection of my design process. Shifting it back to architecture is that when I am presented with the design challenge and I take each client's needs into into my thought process and every house is a little bit different. So this is what I actually love about our residential architecture is that, and particularly in our area, is that we don't have these cookie cutter houses with a single solution. And even if there are houses that are similar, my job is to make it function well for that family. And then also with an eye on resale and all that. But when I am presented with a design problem, I walk away. I get it to where it's going to go and I walk away. And sometimes I'll dream about it. Sometimes thoughts come to me while I'm cooking dinner or out for a walk with my dog, but then I will come back to it with clarity and a fresh set of eyes. And I think that in life, you have to allow yourself that moment to reflect and just take a break. And it's necessary. So much wisdom in that. It is so necessary being stuck And recalibrating is part of the progress and knowing that the thoughts come as the precursor to the plan are all good wisdom nuggets for our listeners to take away with them and to remember as they go on their own journey. I want to ask you, Jung, what are you most proud of? Oh, I'm proud of my boys. I'd love them to pieces. I wasn't one of those people that was like, I'm going to be married and have kids and this and that. I, I, I know I just a minute ago said I like to have a three and five year plan. But when I was a kid, that wasn't in my ultimate goal. But yeah, I'm so proud of them. They're such great human beings. I love now that they're at an age where they have their independent and they have their own opinions and thoughts. And I have to say this new generation really does give me hope because I'm learning so much from them. And I'm just so proud that they are part of my life, that they are such awesome people. So I'm super proud of them. I'm proud of my parents. What bravery. It's almost like you can't make sense of why people decide new life from scratch. Take some incredible tenacity, incredible, just the human spirit, right? It's amazing. So I'm super proud of them for establishing the American dream. They made the American dream for themselves. That's incredible. Totally incredible. The guts that it takes to leave your own birth land that you have been so familiar with for so many years and to completely uproot yourself and your family and transplant yourself into a whole other culture with new language, new everything. And you have to find a way to make it work. And, and navigating a system that you don't understand. Like it's just, it's incredible. Incredible. So, and then I guess I'm proud of myself. I should say I'm proud of myself. Please say that so loud. <laughs> you should, should be ridiculously <laughs> proud of yourself. <laughs> you know, I don't think, and, and I'm guilty clearly um, that we don't say that enough about ourselves, that we don't give ourselves the credit and the, and just acknowledge our own accomplishments. But yeah, like I have no idea what made me decide I wanted to be an architect and just set on that. Don't I don't even know if you told me, I just, I'm not even sure uh, how I got here, but I'm definitely proud that I'm able to make a life for myself that I have worked towards establishing 
a career and a business. And, and I'm very proud of the work that I do. As I mentioned earlier, I'm proud to be, I'm humbled and privileged to be part of a process and improving other people's lives. So I'm very proud that I've been able to achieve that. And I'm, I really do love what I do. And you should toot your own horn. I agree. I think too many times, particularly women, we don't give ourselves enough credit for what we have accomplished, what we have achieved, or not enough credit just in our journey, the good and the challenges, because it is those challenges that have helped us get to where we are. And I find that it is the challenges that are where we really, I like to call it earn our crown in a way, because we have toiled and pushed and gone forward and up and down and done everything we needed to get ourselves to that next level. And we should definitely be tooting our own horn more often, without a doubt. So I'm going to toot your horn for you and say the incredible Jung Lee Masters are architect wears her crown proudly. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Mo Chats. Remember, you can check us out at www.molifespeaks.com. You can also check us out on Instagram at Mo Life Speaks. 